0: Welcome to the Crossover Church Podcast. Although we are in Tampa, Florida, our platform is global and our impact is international. Our mission as a church is to empower people to discover, develop, and display Jesus Christ in every area of their lives. Join us here each week for inspiring messages, thought-provoking conversations, and so much more. Help us spread the word. Share this podcast on your social media platforms. Now let's
1: tune in to today's message. Come on, y'all. Let's tap your hands and give God a praise. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, let's just do a, a tool check. Tool check. want to make sure everybody has a Bible, a handout for tonight, something to write with. And uh, if you don't, raise your hands. We've got folks walking around that's going to make sure you're supplied. While they're doing that, I have a generous spirit on me tonight. Um, if you have... Perfect attendance, perfect attendance for REUP so far for 2018. Raise your hand. Whoa, that's a whole heap of y'all. All All right, so we're going to get some more. I have free CDs that I'm going to give out to all of you, so see me after service. Raise your hands. I got four uh, with me tonight. All right. Perfect attendance. Amen. Perfect attendance. awards. You have perfect attendance for Wednesdays? You sure? You sure? All right. Now, you have to have been awake now. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. (laughs) It's all in love. (laughs) All in love. Just a joke. Yeah. Good to see you, Brother Earl. Yeah. Amen. God bless you. All right, guys. Well, we're going to jump in. I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter number 12. Romans chapter number 12. Romans chapter number 12. I'm going to bring you up to speed. This is... Don't let this confuse you. This is part six, and my mic is going in and out. I don't know if there's something that I'm doing wrong or not, but um, this is part six of this series. Part six of this series, Me Too hashtag Me Too, and this is part two of this particular message about handling revenge. And for those of you that are worshiper with us online, so glad to have you. Welcome to the party. Uh, Pray that you. Uh, already experienced the presence of God as we were worshiping and we get ready to dig into God's word Uh, I want to invite you put your phone on do not disturb Um, if you got something in the kitchen cooking while you're worshiping with us tonight just turn it down on simmer so you don't get distracted so God will speak to you amen amen some people multitask while they try to worship with us and if you're in the Tampa area I hope you feel convicted and next, next Wednesday you'll be here in the building amen um so this is part two, and so we closed this series out tonight, and we did that very intentionally when we were scheduling uh, this series out because we understood that there were some things that we needed to dig a little bit deeper on, and uh, I thank God for this series. How many have enjoyed the, the entire series, the hashtag MeToo series? It's been been a blessing. Amen. Well, just to review very quickly, just to review very quickly um, what we covered on Sunday. Pastor Tommy taught part one uh, on Sunday. And uh, very uh, clear points that he shared. Number one, revenge is for God and not for us. Revenge is for God, not for us. In Romans 12 and 19, and we're going to read this again in a moment, but particularly in verse 19, it says, Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge, I will pay them back says the Lord I will pay them back says the Lord Um, it's important to note that even when our leaders fail us our court system fails us our politicians fail us if you believe the Bible you have to believe that there will be justice there will be justice what is justice that's a question not a rhetorical what is justice Anybody? Making things right. Okay. Hmm. Fairness. Love that. Executed fairness. Justice is executed fairness. Fairness being executed. Fairness being executed. Okay. Fairness being executed. Really quickly, uh, Pastor Lucy, can you do me a favor? Can you just find that verse, um, be, be uh, swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to get angry, please? I think it's in First John, but this, this is not my study Bible. This is my reading Bible, and I can't find it right now. Number two, there is a better way of getting even besides revenge. There's a better way of getting even besides revenge. Romans 12 and 20. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their head. I'm going to talk about that in a little bit moment, but I just want to give you these quick points to bring you up to speed to Sunday. Number three, this is just review. Revenge destroys you but good conquers evil. Revenge destroys you, but good conquers evil. Verse 21, don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by what? By doing good, by doing good. The greatest example of this was when God sent his son into the world to give his life for us and to save us. It was literally good conquering evil. Think about that for a moment, y'all that God knew who we were, what we were, and even how we would respond to his love. He knew that there would be moments and seasons of our lives where we would be inconsistent. Raise your hands if you've ever been inconsistent. Hello, somebody, right? He knew that, and yet he still sent his son. Romans 5, 8, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us? Think about that for a moment. How many of us have arrived at the place that even without expecting anything in return, we can do good? Rhetorical question, right? 1 hmm. Peter chapter 2, verse 23. This is not in your notes. You may want to just write this down. It says, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 23, he did not retaliate when he was insulted. This is Jesus. He did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threatened revenge when he suffered. He left his case. Now, this is Jesus. He left his case in the hands of God who always judges fairly. Think about that for a moment. Brother Greg, he could have he literally called a legion of angels and wiped everybody out. In the midst of that pain, he's like, my God, why have you forsaken me? He said, nevertheless, that's not my will, but that will be done. There is always a right way and a wrong way of handling revenge, and we have to leave room for God. We often try to plan out the revenge with God. We often try to plan out the revenge with God. If we trust God, we must also trust his plan for justice. Here's a big word, recompense. Recompense, R-E-C-O-M-P-E-N-S-E. It's the payment for wrong. Recompense. When we try to take revenge, we make a mess, and often it becomes worse. Now, let me just ask a real question. How many of y'all have ever executed revenge on somebody? Raise your hands if you've ever executed revenge on somebody. So y'all can identify with it. We can identify with this, right? Watch this. Many have talked about that as things get worse and worse, they were looking for closure, and closure never came. They were looking for freedom, and freedom never came. They were looking for an apology, and an apology never came. In other words, we discover that revenge is not worth it. The question becomes then, why should I leave it to God? I'm going to answer that for you tonight. The other question I want to clarify is, who are our enemies? And this was discussed on Sunday a little bit as well. They are usually people that are up close that have hurt us in some way or another. Enemies most often were friends at one point. Okay? So, let's jump into tonight. There is a crisis in Christianity. Everybody say crisis. There's a crisis in Christianity. Many Christians either simply choose not to live like Christians or don't know how. They intentionally either choose not to live like Christians or they don't know how. Beyond that, so many are performing like a Christian to the point that it becomes exhausting. Somebody say tired. And this exhaustion causes the feelings of guilt and shame, and they become a prisoner of false expectations. They become disappointed by the results that they are getting, which eventually results in anger and bitterness, which finally results in quietly going through religious motions with little sense of power or purpose or God's presence or even fulfillment. Ultimately, they'll leave the church. Millions of people come to Christ every single year. But it's clear that we have a spiritual maturity problem. Well, we, the church, we grow wide, but we're not growing deep. We grow wide, but we're not going deep. Can a tree grow if it doesn't go deep? Can a tree grow if it doesn't go deep? Say it again. That's what I was looking for. Not its fullest potential. The roots will grow wide, but they won't, go de- they won't grow deep. So the moment that something comes, a strong wind, a strong waves, or a storm, or a situation, it's got a lot of roots. That are wide, but they're not deep. So what happens to that tree? Topples over. Do y'all hear what I'm saying? God's goal in us and for us is to be firmly planted with deep roots, not just wide. Real, real fast, turn to your Bibles to Psalms. Um, Pastor Lucy, did you find it for me? 1 John. James 1, 19 through 21. Thank you. Thank you so much. Turn to Psalms 1 really fast, everybody. Just got an email from heaven. Psalm 1, right? Deep roots, somebody say deep roots, right? This is Bible study, right? All right? When you got it, say, I got it. If you need more time, say, wait, please. All right, we'll wait. Psalm 1, you ever have to look at the table of contents, this is Bible study, so don't ever be afraid. Okay, thank you. Psalm 1. You got it, brother? What translation? Yeah. Okay, can you read that really loud for me, please? Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, Okay, now, in your Bibles, write the word intentional next to that verse. Write the word intentional. I-N-T-E-N-T-I-O-N-A-L. Intentional. Reading, please. But his delight in the law of the Lord. His delight is in the law of the Lord. He finds great satisfaction in reading the word of God in understanding and applying the word of God. That's why David says in Psalm 19, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. If you ever want to find out how to walk in the will of God, you've got to read the word of God. Right? Keep reading, please. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He, on his law, his word, he meditates day and night. That doesn't mean you walk around with a Bible open all the time. It does mean that you take the Word of God that you are reading and studying and that you understand, and you create a mindfulness of it at all times. That you're always on a posture that at any given moment the Holy Spirit can bring the Word of God back to your heart. There will be lots of times as you study the Word that you won't always immediately remember what you studied. But the point is, keep reading and keep studying because in the moment. When crises or tight times or tension comes, the Bible says, and I have experienced, many of you may have the same experience, the Holy Spirit will bring it back to your remembrance at the right time. Raise your hands if that's applied to you before. Look at all of that, all those witnesses. Okay? So don't ever get distracted by saying, oh, my God, I can't remember what I read yesterday. Put it in there. The Bible says in Matthew 13 that the word of God is a seed. It's a seed. And even in 13, I don't have time to to go there, but it talks about the three kinds of ground or soil that the word of God takes root in. Which is a symbol symbol or a metaphor of the kind of heart that you have. And it says that if you want to harvest from the seed of the word of God, it's got to fall in good ground. All right. Keep reading, please. He is like a tree. He is like a what? Tree. He is like a tree. Keep reading by streams of planted by streams of water now if your roots are shallow the nourishment that you get from deep roots don't happen keep reading that fruit in- now that that yield that yields its fruit in its season the inference from this and of y'all have heard me say this before how many of y'all have ever heard people say oh I'm, I'm praying for the Lord to, to get me in my season right I'm waiting on my season to come how many of y'all have heard people say that before this verse suggests to us watch this that when you're in the word of God and the will of God every season is your season every season becomes your season When you're honoring the word of God in your life, you are supposed to bear fruit in every season. Doesn't mean that it won't be tense, don't mean that there won't be some moments of stress or frustration, but even if I'm in a moment of frustration or even a season of frustration, guess what? I can still thrive because I got deep roots. Somebody say deep roots. roots. Keep reading please. Let's go ahead and finish it since we disclose. And it's And its leaves not shall not wither, In and whatsoever he does, In all that he, does prospers. he prospers. When you have deep roots, everything your hands touch, blessed, favored, goodness, graciousness, open doors, opportunity. Watch this. Even if God closes a door, it was meant to be closed. Do y'all hear what I'm saying? So we, we got to get out of this mindset, I want it fast, I want it quick. Because the biggest trees didn't become the biggest trees overnight. There was a hurricane that came through. I'm trying to remember what, which hurricane it was. Um, this had to be in 1992. Can't remember. Um, 92. My grandmother had this oak tree in her front yard that was probably as wide as both of these sections. And that hurricane came through, man, everything was uprooted except that tree. That tree is still standing today. Deep roots. Y'all hear what I mean? Because when you get deep roots, little small stuff doesn't get you off track. You can get frustrated. I'm not talking about you're not human. You can get frustrated and aggravated. But you ain't ain't walking away from the church. You ain't walking away from relationships just when stuff gets tight. Y'all know what I mean? And so many people, this, this this whole notion of loyalty and commitment is being redefined. Not in a good way, in a bad way. And yet God expects for you and I to help culture understand what his word means when he talks about commitment. Right? Let's keep going. Let's go back to Romans 12. Thank you, brother, for reading. So there's a crisis in Christianity that we got to go deeper not just wide. Most people want to grow, but they don't know where to begin. Okay? They don't know where to begin. So <clears throat> on your handouts, you see this, and this is what it says. God has a dream, a dream for his children. God has a dream for his children. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans that I have for you. There's a picture that they're going to put up there with that verse on it. There's a. There, there's, for I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Right? Watch this. Plans to do what? To prosper you and not what? Plans to what? And not what? So my 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 little one, my smallest one, the three week three week old one, has to get shots. Right. She's sitting there and, man, she's turning red, screaming, top of her lungs. In her mind, I'm harming her. But she doesn't realize that there's a plan to this, that she's not, in fact, being harmed, she's being helped. Somebody say perspective. We'll come back to that word in just a moment. Plans to give you hope and a what? And a future, okay? And a future. You have a future. And so just like a parent has a dream for their child, God has a dream for his children. What is that dream? Glad you asked. His primary dream is the kind of person you become. The kind of person you become. Not what you do always, because what you do is simply the expression of who you are. Right? Y'all have heard me talk about behavior modification before, and, and this whole notion that you can have the right behaviors, but if you don't become the right person, even, eventually those real, the real you, the real behaviors will come out. Have any of y'all ever worked with somebody, and you thought they were one thing, and then something happened, and then the real them came out? He was like, oh, my God. Ooh, Jesus. Lord, if I had known, <laughs> Right? I mean, it kind of took you back. You had to kind of take a moment and, you know, take a moment and get your composure. You were like, Jesus, how long was that hiding all up in there? Right? Y'all know I'm I'm from the country, right? So in the country, they had this phrase, if it don't come out in the wash, it'll come out in the rinse. The real you will come out. If it don't come out in the wash, it'll come out in the rinse. If you don't get that, that means you don't wash clothes ever. (laughs) <laughs> you just drop your laundry off and somebody else does it. Yeah. So God, God has, a, has a dream of the kind of person that you become. We are always, hear me, major point, and I'm getting ready to make. We are always in the process of becoming. We are always in the process of becoming this statement sounds exhausting that I'm about to make, but don't let it be exhausting as a Christian, you are never off duty you are never off duty now, there are seasons where God will give you rest where you don't have to um, fight as hard there was there will be seasons. I'm trying to think of this in a military context. Um, you're deployed. What what anybody here been in the military? Okay. So when you're when when you're deployed, you're an active, you know, you're in active status, when you come back home for a month, month and a half, two months, what do they call that? Leave? I don't like that word. <laughs> but, but you're on leave. R and R? Uh, rest and relaxation? All right, I can go with that. Um, reprieve. I like that word. Reprieve is much better. Okay? So you have a season of reprieve. Right? You have a season of reprieve. But at any, in any, any given moment, if something breaks out, you can call back, be called back up. Like, you gotta, I got to get you on this plane now. Right? Okay. Same thing in, in Christian military, Christian army. You're a soldier in the army of the Lord, right? There used to be a song. How many of y'all remember that song? Soldier in the army of the Lord, yeah. So you're a soldier in the army of the Lord. And so what that means is, right, you're not walking around with, you know, AR, AK-47s and, you know, machetes and, and um, I was going to say beignets, but that's a food. Uh, <laughs> what's, what's the other thing? Bayonet, thank you. Y'all can tell where my mind is right now. I'm thinking about dessert, glory to God. <laughs> uh, yeah, New Orleans, glory, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, yeah, Cafe Du Monde. Uh, but you're not walking around with physical weapons. But how sad would it be for a soldier to not what's in their arse- to, know- to not know what's in their arsenal? And as a Christian soldier, you've got to know what's in your arsenal. The first thing is your identity in Christ is the first tool that you have. It's your first weapon. Who are you? Man, I am a child of God. (laughs) Everything that belongs to the king belongs to the king's kid. And you got to have that confidence without hesitation. You got to be able to declare that. Why? Because that's the first thing that the enemy attacks is your identity. God doesn't love you. God's not interested in what you got going on. God's not close to you. And y'all heard me say last week, right? Bible says God is close to the brokenhearted. He draws near to those who are hurting, okay? So, so this, is, this, is, this is his biggest dream. And it's amazing because we can look in nature and see this lived out. A seed never stays a seed. A seed never stays a seed. A caterpillar never stays as a caterpillar. What? It's always becoming. It's always becoming. We are always becoming. So God doesn't intend for you to stay where you are always. You ought to be able to look back at your life from, I mean, just, uh, it's getting ready to be March now. So March 2017, where were you? Where were you emotionally? Where were you spiritually? Where were you mentally? Where were you professionally? Where were you relationally? If you still have the same issues going on now that you had going on then with the same perspective and the same excuses, you haven't grown. Always in the season of becoming. Always in the season of becoming. That's why I made a joke. uh, I made a joke at the end of uh, last year, um, right in December. Because in December, you start seeing all these people, Mindy, posting uh, as they about, they're going in New Year, getting New Year's resolutions, and they'll say things like, man, I'm cutting people off this, this month. Get ready for the year. And I posted, and I said, listen, if you got to post this every year where you, you got to cut people off, you're going to end up with nubs. Right? You shouldn't be living your life where every single year, at the end of the year, you got to cut people off. That's not intentional living, right? Are y'all with me? So we're always in the place of becoming. He wants you to be holy more than he wants you to be happy. He wants you to be holy more than he wants you to be happy. And all he wants from you is a yes. Father, I want to do it your way. Father, I want to please you. Father, I want a loving, deep relationship with you. Father, I want you to talk to me, and I want to be able to talk to you. I want to have ongoing conversation with you. I want to see you in every facet and phase of my life. I want to see your fingerprint in my life, in my mind, in my heart. I want to be able to look at something and see your hand on it. That's the declaration in the way that we have to think and live, not compartmentalizing our life where our faith is limited to two hours on Sunday. And so how do we do that? We have to dig into the Word of God to get understanding. Now, on Ro- in Romans 12, and there's a chart. Guys, if you guys are going to that chart up, that's perfect. Uh, about a year and a half ago, we did a series called the R12 Christian. And I literally just went back and I pulled this chart up because it, it tied in, obviously, with the lesson tonight. So when you look at Romans 12, to me, it is, it is one of the few chapters in the Bible that gives a complete picture of what it means to be a Christ follower. Watch this. Let's break it down. In verse 1, we see that there needs to be a relationship with God. In verse 2, we see how to have a relationship with the world. In verse 3 through 8, we see how to have relationship with yourself. In verse 9 through 13, we see how to have relationships with other believers. Where we'll focus tonight is verses 14 to 21, how to have relationship with non-believers. What are the questions that we're asking in each one of those? Number one, how do I give God what he wants the most? How do I give God what he wants the most? I beg you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, present your body a living sacrifice. Right? Verse 2. How do I get God's best for my life? Verse 3 through 8. How do I come to grips with the real me? <laughs> right? Not the, not the one you smile, not, not, the, not the you that smiles even when you're hurting or aggravated. Right? Sunday, uh, Sunday somebody walked by me in the lobby after service. I was like, Hey, good to see you. How you doing? I said, I'm good. I'm tired. And they looked at me as if I couldn't get tired. I'm like, yeah, I'm tired. Yeah, tired. I'm not tired now. I'm good. But I was tired then. Verses 9 through 13. How do I experience authentic community? Why did I just make that point just then? Because we often are not prepared for people's honesty. You need to be mature enough in your own life that you can handle your honesty so as a Christian, you can handle other people's honesty. That make sense? One of the clear ways we can tell we, we can't handle people's honesty or we're not ready for people's honesty is because when we walk by, people say, hey, how you doing? We don't even stop. Keep going. We don't even pause to look at them and actually wait to see how they're going to answer. Are we prepared for somebody to say, you know what? I'm so glad you asked me that. I'm not doing well right now. Can you pray for me? We're already out the door. That's one of the reasons why as a church we keep saying to you guys, hey, guys, when services are with, don't just rush out the door so fast. Don't just rush out the door so fast. Slow down for a moment, right? It's amazing. It's amazing how in a hurry our world is. And we were moving so fast that we're missing life, trying to get to where we think we're supposed to be. You don't believe me? Just drive on the interstate in the mornings. You mess around and get in front of somebody who is trying to get somewhere and they think you're in their way, you're gonna get all kinds of fingers and words and horns honked and all of that. Y'all ain't never seen none of that, huh? Hope it's not you. And let me tell you, let me tell you when it's really bad. When people start doing that, and then they finally pass by you, and then they have stickers with their church on the back. Y'all know I'm telling the truth. (laughs) Okay. Uh, How do I experience authentic community? Verses 9 through 13. But watch this. Verse 14 through 21. How do I overcome the evil aimed at me? Wow. You see the biblical response for each one of those. But when you get to verses 14 through 21, look at the biblical response. Look at that first word there. What does that first word say? Supernaturally. Which means that you cannot respond to evil with good on your own. Because on your own, you don't want to do that. You won't give your enemies no food. You you don't want to do right by people who've done you wrong. Right? And this this is not, we're not talking about people who accidentally do you wrong and then apologize. We're talking about people who, they plot, plan, and scheme to get at you. And so what's the missing ingredient? Power, peace, purpose, God's presence. There's that word I told you I was coming back to. What? Perspective. So let's dig in. Verses 14 through 21. Let me read it for you just so you understand. Verses 14 through 21. It says in the NLT, bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. Don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Hear that same phrase again. Verse 19 now. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scripture say, says, I will take revenge, I will pay them back, says who? The Lord. Instead, verse 20, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their head. Verse 21, don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. So well, let's break this text down some. This is called the exposition of the text, okay? Now, one of the reasons why we have a hard time understanding this whole notion responding to evil with good is for a few reasons. Number one, we underestimate how systematic evil can be. We underestimate how systematic evil can be. They're, the moment you sign up to be a part of God's army, you got to know you have an enemy. And the Bible says in Ephesians 6, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We don't. But we wrestle against principalities and powers and wickedness in high places. Don't let that scare you, right? Don't let it scare you. Why? Because you have power and authority over it. You have power and authority over it, right? How many of y'all were here tonight of the comedian? When, when, Wasn't he funny? It was good to laugh too, wasn't it? Y'all remember he was talking about the cockroach? <laughs> There's a whole lot of truth to that, right? You, you get ready to go kill a cockroach, you go like, oh get this one. But doggone it, man, when that thing starts flying, like, right? But watch this. If it it got down to it, if you absolutely had to, guess what? You have power and authority over it. You might have to wait for them to come down, but you have power and authority. So after a certain point, there should be many things in our lives lives, that have caused us to run and flee and be in fear that at some point we have to muster up the courage to say, you know what? No, God gave me more strength than that. Okay? Okay. We have to understand that. Now watch this. We lack perspective. We lack perspective. Now watch this: 25 percent of the book of Genesis, 25 percent of the book of Genesis is based on the life of Joseph. Joseph becomes a clear picture of Romans 12: How to respond to the evil aimed at you. Watch this: He was betrayed, he was falsely accused. He was sold into slavery. Watch this. Not by strangers, but by family. And then watch this. The Bible has multiple verses that says he was forgotten where he was. But yet Joseph had perspective. Joseph refused. You never see a verse in Scripture. And the Bible talks about people's life, the good, the bad, and the ugly. So if Joseph had ever become to a place Where he was bitter or a victim or unforgiving, I believe the Bible would have showed us that. But not one verse can you find where Joseph became the victim, he refused. To the point, his heart was healthy enough that when he was in a position of privilege and power, when it came time to bless the people that had done him wrong, not only did he go back to bless them abundantly, but then he was able to make the confession to them, well, you meant for evil. God meant for my good. Why? Because he had perspective. I want to challenge you tonight. Get some perspective. And all the difficult things that you may encounter, but those of you that are worshiping with us online, if you are dealing with a situation where you want to get revenge, get some perspective. What is that perspective? That God has a better way. God has a better way. Verses 14 through 16, we are giving, given a positive command. Positive command. This, you can just write some of this in in the blanks in your notes. Positive command. This is how you respond to that person that came to your mind when I started this message about revenge. And God says right here, bless those who persecute you. Bless them. He goes on to say, bless and do not curse. Why? Because sweet and bitter cannot come out of the same fountain. So you can't say, okay, God, I'm going to pray for them. But at the same time, oh, I hope they die. Right? Let's just be honest for a moment. How many of y'all have ever met somebody who you've been in conversation with them or overheard conversation where they actually were hoping that something bad would happen to a person? Be careful of that because that is simply a reflection of where the person's hearty. As challenging as it is, guys, as challenging as it is, um, one of the best examples, most recent examples of this, um, the, the doctor, the Olympic doctor who um, was sent to jail from Michigan, Nasser, thank you. I wasn't going to say the name, but since you said it, I went ahead and said it. Um, but the doctor, they, they had these uh, victim impact statements. They set these days up where many of his victims were able to come to the court and make statements. And I wish I could show you guys this video, but one of the victims stood up there facing him and quoted scripture, how she had forgiven him, how she prayed for his soul, how she prayed that he would not go to hell, that if he didn't know God, that he would come to know Jesus Christ as his Savior. Now, this man man raped her. Abused her. But she was able to stand up there and say, I forgive you. And not only do I not, not only do I forgive you, but I'm praying earnestly for you. You want to talk about growth? That's growth. Right? The son of, of one of the victims. A few years ago in Charleston, when the young man went into the Charleston uh, church, the nine uh, folks that got killed in that church, and one of the sons of one of the victims at, at the funeral, he said, is this being televised? It was on live TV. And he stood up there, his mama's body is right here in a her casket. And he says, to God that done the shooting, he said, If you're watching or if you ever watch this, I want you to know if nobody else does, I forgive you. He's standing right here, and his mama's body is right there. Bless and do curse. Positive command, right? Verse 17, though, he gives a negative command. He says, Do not repay evil for evil. Do not. Don't do it. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. Watch this, guys. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, not the other person, but on you, live or be at peace with all men. Now, let's just be honest. Some some people are not peaceable people. It is hard to be at peace with some people. So what do you do? If you encounter people that are hard to be peaceable, create some distance. No ill will, no antagonism. I love you. I'm praying for you. I wish you well. Give them a benediction. Y'all know what a benediction is? It's a form of blessing as you get ready to leave a service. May the Lord watch between me and thee. While we're absent, one from the other. <laughs> Some of y'all knew exactly what that meant. What does the word bless? So, three points for tonight, and we're done. Number one, he says, bless them. What does the word bless mean? In this particular context and verse, it, it is the desire. The word bless in this context, it is the, the, the desire to see the salvation of another person, it is the desire watch this guy. listen to this. this is an original language, the context. to God's favor, rest this person. So you think about your enemy, the person you want to get revenge from." And it's essentially saying, "Father, I know I could get even at them. I know I could get back at them. But I'm not going to do it, God. I'm going to leave it up to you. And as a matter of fact, God, however you decide to do it, but I do pray, God, that you will pour out your favor on them. (laughs) Write in your notes, Lord, help me to learn to pray for my enemies. Lord, help me to learn to pray for my enemies. Why do I have you write that? Because you can't hate somebody you're praying for. Mm. Jesus, was well, that not heavy? Okay. Now, how? How do you do this? You forgive them. You forgive them. Matthew 6 and 12, forgive us our sins just as we forgive others. Forgive us our sins just as we forgive others. God has not given us what we deserve. What is that? That's mercy. That's mercy. Okay? And so there are five things really fast that I want to give you that forgiveness is not. We covered some of these before, but many of you may not have been here, and I want to synthesize the list of 10 things that Mindy gave you down to five. Number one, forgiveness is not conditional. Forgiveness is not conditional. It's unconditional. No strings attached. I'm giving this to you, whether you do right, whether you change, whether you apologize, whether I feel like you've done the right thing, none of that. I'm giving this to you. Why? Because God gave it to us with no strings attached to. Number two, it is not minimizing the seriousness of the offense. It is not minimizing the seriousness of the offense. Watch this, guys. If it is worth forgiving, it's a big deal. If it is worth forgiving, it's a big deal. And as I stated last week or a couple weeks ago, forgiveness doesn't always remove the consequence of the sin. Okay? Number three, forgiveness is not resuming the relationship without changes. Forgiveness is not resuming the relationship without changes. There's a big difference between forgiveness and trust. And so on their part, the one who did the wrong, there may need to be repentance involved, genuine sorrow. There may need to be restitution involved. That's repayment. But there's also the need for rebuilding trust. And guess what? That takes time. Number four, real forgiveness is not forgetting what happened. Real forgiveness is not forgetting what happened. And then finally, forgiveness isn't my right when I wasn't the one offended. Now let me pause for a moment and let that sink in. Forgiveness is not my right when I wasn't the one offended. Oftentimes, we harbor ill will hurt feelings, and even want to take revenge on folks that did not wrong us directly. They wronged others. It is up to the person that was wronged to offer the forgiveness, not you. Your job is to be healthy enough to minister to the person who was wrong and not try to take and own that wrong themselves or yourself. Does that make sense? All right, let's move on. Point number two, point number two, according to Romans 12, identification. Identification. He says here, if you ever get to a place where you can handle revenge the right way, you got to learn how to identify, identification. What does that mean? In verse uh, verse. Uh, 17, I believe it is, and 18, he says rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. What are you doing? You are identifying with the state of where they are. We all have said this before. We acknowledge this before. We've tweeted it and posted it before so we understand it. Hurt people what? Hurt people hurt people. So if somebody hurt you and they were malicious with it or they intended for it, and they haven't come back to apologize, what do you understand about them now? They are hurting somewhere. So you weep with them because they're hurting. You have sympathy and empathy for them. How many of y'all have ever encountered somebody that did something or was doing something, and you actually genuinely felt sorry for them because you you knew they had no idea what they were doing? Like your heart really was broken because you're like, man, something's wrong with them and they don't even see it, or maybe they don't want to see it, right? What are you doing? You are are identifying with their humanness. And given the opportunity and the conditions, all of us can mess up. All of us can mess up, okay? All of us can mess up. Here's the last one for tonight. How do we handle revenge? Number one, we bless them. We don't curse. Number two, we identify with those that have done the wrong. We identify with where where they are. But here's the last one. Grace-filled association. Mm. Grace-filled association. What does he say in verse 16? Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited, act like you know it all. Don't convince yourself that you're some amazing person just because they're the one that did the wrong. The same thing that the person did to you in a moment of weakness or under pressure, if you're not careful, you could do it to someone else. And we must remain connected to both our humanity and our divinity. What are you saying? You are in the flesh, but you have a God part of you. That's why he says in Genesis one, you were made in the image and likeness of God. That's the God part of you, but you're in the flesh. And they are always at war with each other. That's why in Romans chapter six, Paul says, often the good that I wanna do, I find myself not doing. Then he says, my members are at war with one another. So here's the question that I have for you. Which one of your members do you feed the most? If you feed your flesh the most, that's gonna become stronger. But if you feed your spirit the most, That's going to become stronger. Okay? So he says, don't repay evil for evil. Be very careful. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. God's role is the judge. And that is the most effective way of bringing about peace. Now, last thing. This whole notion of heaping burning coals on their head. An Egyptian ritual in the time that this text was written. If a person in Egypt in this culture realized that they had offended someone, there was an argument and they were wrong. Then they would build a fire. They would take the coals out of the fire and put it in a pan. Then they would take a towel and put it underneath the pan and they would put it on their head and they would walk through the village symbolizing I'm burning the bad thoughts out of my mind. I was wrong. So basically what it says is when you heat burning coals on their head, when you do good instead of repaying them evil for evil, the Holy Spirit convicts them. And they, in essence, walk around acknowledging, I was wrong. Now, James chapter number 1, verse 19 through 21, that was it, right? Really fast, let's turn there. I want to show you guys something, and then I'm going to take questions and we'll close. James chapter number 1, verse 19 through 21. James chapter 1, verse 19 through 21. All right, if you got it, say, I got it. If you need more time, say, wait, please. All right, you're welcome. James chapter number one. James chapter number one, verse 19 through 21. Again, y'all, this is Bible study. So don't ever, ever, ever feel bad. You have to look in the table of contents in your Bible. Please don't. Please don't. Only way you'll study and learn how to navigate the Word of God. All right. Everybody ready? All right. Watch what it says here. Watch what it says. It's 19. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak. Now, raise your hands if you've heard that before, okay? Let me show you why it's important to sometimes read on beyond just stopping where you want to stop. Watch this. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to do what? To get angry. Watch what verse 20 says. That's is what I wanted to show you. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. In other words, it is impossible to please God when you are angry. What is righteousness? The righteousness the word righteousness means God's way of doing it, God's right way of doing things. So when you're angry, it's impossible that's what this verse saying. It's impossible to do something the way that God wants you to do it. And so that's why it says, be, be quick to listen and slow to speak, slow to get angry. That's why he tells us in Ephesians 4.26, don't let the sun go down on your what? Anger. Acknowledge the anger. Give it to God. Let him, help him let you process that. And then when you are back at a place of sanity, then ask God, how do you respond? But in a moment of anger, you can't get the right result. The verse is saying, human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. I'll tell you that. Why do I I take you to that verse? Because tonight if you're here and you're dealing with revenge or this notion of I want to get even, there's a seed of anger in your heart. And no matter how much you pray about how to respond to that person, God is simply using this moment and this situation to reveal to you to turn your prayers inward, to ask him to help you deal with your anger. Let me stop there. Our time is gone. Any questions? Yes, ma'am. On the first page, the greatest need in the world today is for Christians to behave like Christians. Yes, ma'am. No. So the the imagery of, of what they would do in that culture, right? So if I was wrong and I'm acknowledging my wrong and I'm apologizing, I would take those coals and put them on my head walking around to symbolize that I'm sorry. By you doing good versus taking revenge, and the verse says you're heaping coals of fire upon my head if I was the one that did wrong. In essence, because you're showing me a picture, I don't mean to get political here, but let me say it this way. When they go low, you go high. Because you went high, you reminded me that I went low and that I need to be apologetic because I was the one that caused the wrong here. Does it make sense? So we have to trust that God will allow the circumstances to be turned in a way that a person will come face to face with their wrong. And when that happens, the guilt and the shame of that coals a fire on their head. Make sense? Um, One of the best pictures of this that I can show you is, and some of you all will immediately identify with this, if you ever have family members that have significant mental health issues, and when they're having episodes and they're doing all kinds of wrong, when they come to themselves, and they may not always be able to know what they did while they were in the state, right, and I may be using all kinds of jacked up terminology right now, but you guys get me. When they come to themselves and someone tells them some of the things that they did while they were in their episode, not themselves, one of the things that they wrestle with is all kinds of guilt and remorse because in their normal state of processing things, they're like, man, I would have never done that. What's happening? Coals of fire on the head. Pastor Lucy's trained. She has a master's degree in this. Did I, I, I probably used all kinds of wrong terminology. She's it. <laughs> like, no? Okay. It made sense, I guess. All right. Answer your question? Yes? All right. Any other questions, anybody? Did y'all get something tonight? Amen. Let's stand together.
0: Thank you for listening to today's podcast from Crossover Church in Tampa, Florida. On behalf of Pastor Tommy Colonan and the entire team, we thank you for being a part of this experience. We'd love to connect with you, so check us out online at www.crossoverchurch.org or on any of our social media platforms. Our weekly services are broadcast live, and you can always catch a previous service on demand on our YouTube channel. Thank you again, and we'll see you next week.